0: Well, today's message is part two of our Joseph series, and uh, Joseph is referred to as a type of Christ. That means his life is foreshadowing the life of Jesus. Um, the Messiah is for, he's foreshadowed throughout the Old Testament. If you really look for Jesus uh, throughout the, the Old Testament, you'll see him being foreshadowed, foretold uh, throughout the Old Testament in these like prophetic snapshots. And we see here with the life of Joseph, it's probably the most vivid and clear um, snapshot of who the Messiah will be, the suffering servant. So, for instance, give you a couple examples. Uh, Jesus, obviously, betrayed by one of his disciples, by Judas. Joseph, on the other hand, was betrayed by his brothers. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was betrayed for the price of 20 shekels of silver. Jesus was stripped of his garments and handed over to the Gentiles. Joseph was stripped of his coat of many colors and given over to the Ishmaelites. Jesus was tempted but did not sin. Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife and did not sin. Jesus was innocently convicted and condemned to death. Joseph was wrongly convicted and condemned to prison." So we can keep going on and on and on with this list. And we'll see that the life of the Messiah is being foreshadowed through this young man named Joseph. And when you think of Joseph and his story, the most compelling part of his story is his betrayal. So why were why did Joseph's brothers betray him? Why were why did the brothers of Jesus, or excuse me, why did the brothers of Joseph betray uh, their brother? So we're gonna look at that here in Genesis chapter 37 verses three and four. It says, now Israel, and that's Jacob. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe for him. So the, the robe, just to be clear, that, that Jacob makes for Joseph is a robe that's it's significant. It's significant, it shows the father's favor, it shows the authority, it shows that when this person wearing this robe will be the successor. He will become the patriarch of the family. So when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any other of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now Joseph is the second youngest among 12 sons. And in this patriarchal system, uh, it's not customary for the 11th born son to become the successor. So this would be a place of honor that would be uh, restored or, or, or would be bestowed upon the older brothers. And because of this, the older brothers, they're filled with envy and jealousy for their brother Joseph. And envy, if you think about this, is the painful feeling of wanting or wanting that what, something else ha- what someone else has. I'll get that right in a second. The painful feeling of wanting what someone else has, like attributes or possessions. And if you're jealous, you're threatened or protective, Um, or fearful of losing one's position or situation to someone else. So the brothers were jealous of Joseph's position, and they were envious of his relationship with their father. So Jacob doesn't hide the fact that Joseph is his favorite. Parents, that is a, and grandparents, that is a bad custom or practice to start. If you, really want to find, if you really want to stir up trouble in your family for generations to come, just show favor to one child because that's what you're going to do. Whenever the oldest brothers saw Joseph wearing this ornate robe, it would make them, their blood boil with envy and jealousy. And when Joseph had his dreams and shared it with his brothers, the brothers couldn't stand it. They thought, you know, Joseph is just rubbing it in our faces. Joseph, his brothers, their their brothers are resentful towards their father. There's no doubt about it. They're resentful towards Jacob because of this favoritism that is demonstrated towards Joseph. We we look at Joseph again as the focal point, but really there's resentment behind the brother's actions. They resent their father's favor and love for their, their brother Joseph. This is favor and honor they are due and they're not receiving it. So Jacob is culpable in this betrayal of Joseph and it's, it's ironic that that's his favorite son, but his actions lead to his son's betrayal and him being sold as a slave. It's an unfortunate situation. God can use family dysfunction. We see that in the story. God can use family dysfunction as a way to fulfill his plans and purposes. And Joseph's suffering had purpose. God can use a bad situation to fulfill his purposes. The outcome, however, hinges on how we handle it. So God's gonna take these, these sufferings, these pains that we endure, and he's gonna use them for his glory, but it really hinges on us. You know, God is sovereign, but we have a free will as well. So we beca- we, when, when you look at suffering, we can become bitter or we can become better. Again, it hinges on how we handle it. We can be a victim, or we can be a vessel that God can work through. Let's we'll say that again, we can be a victim, or we can be a vessel that God works through. Have you ever experienced a betrayal? And if you haven't, hang on because I'm sure you will. If you you have experienced betrayal, you understand the pain that Joseph has experienced. Betrayal is most often referred to as as something taking place within a relationship. And uh, the deeper the bond is within that relationship, the more that betrayal will cut into the heart of that person who is betrayed. So let's say, for example, you, you have this work environment. You let's say you deal with customers or customer service, or or maybe you're purchasing orders, whatever it is. Uh, but you deal with a person on a on a maybe a phone basis. You know, maybe not so personal that type of relationship. Let's say you you have an order or service that you're you're ordering from this particular person who represents this company, and they fail to fulfill their commitment. And you're asked by your supervisor why the order wasn't fulfilled. And you say, well, the, it, the other company dropped the ball. So your supervisor gets mad and they call up the other company and begin to ball them out. And then that, that employee then is confronted by their supervisor. and They said, oh, no, it wasn't my fault. It was the, the other company's fault. They're the ones that dropped the ball. And they throw you under the bus. That, that's a very common practice. People don't like taking responsibility these days. So they throw someone else under the bus. So just think about that kind of scenario, regardless to the outcome, whether this person is reprimanded, you're reprimanded, it doesn't matter. Let's say you're forced to deal with this person on an ongoing basis. You'll have difficulty navigating that relationship and it'll be uncomfortable, but not impossible. And I would describe that kind of wound as a scratch. That's the kind of a betrayal when you're thrown under the bus in a work situation, it's a scratch. It's not a wound. It's it's a small wound, but it's not a wound. See, the kind of betrayal that takes place deep in a, a, let's say, a wounded place where you're just walking with a wound, a great example would be betrayal in a marriage. That's going to create a deep wound. The closer the relationship is, the more trust you've invested in a person, the deeper the wound will be caused by that betrayal. Social media, for example, has given us in our society... Uh, more opportunity to experience betrayal. Uh, Today, people take their hurt, their anger, and their frustration, and they post it all on social media. Christians, may I remind you of this? We represent Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we represent Jesus Christ. And before we clicked post-sin, we should ask ourselves, are we representing ourselves, our feelings, or are we representing Christ? Christ. And may i ask may or just remind you say well i you know you can justify it however you want but when you accepted the blood of jesus and he bought you he purchased you you gave up those rights you represent jesus first and foremost now if you want to make a trade if you have buyer's remorse you can work that out with him but you know we don't get salvation on our terms remember that instead of blabbering our mess on social media and what we're trying to do is curry favor and sympathy from from people who really don't care We think we're gonna get something out of it. Why not come to Jesus, cast your cares upon him because he truly cares for you. Betrayals become increasingly common and unfortunately, we don't really know how to handle it correctly. And I know this seems antiquated, but it's Bible. Here's a great, if you've been betrayed, this is how we should handle it first and foremost. Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. No, we don't want to do that. We're going to skip that. We're going to go straight to social media. We're going to post. We won't mention names. But the guilty understand who they are. Social media only fuels the pettiness we see in our culture. The mishandling of social media is nothing more than a tool we give to Satan. And he uses us as pawns for his own pleasure. The archaic origins of the word... Betray or betrayal means to be handed over. If you want to look at the original uh, you know, beginnings, origins of that word betray or betrayal, it simply means to be handed over. Uh, Jesus was handed over uh, to the Gentiles to be crucified, Joseph was handed over to the Ishmaelites who sold him as a slave. He was betrayed, handed over. To give you a little bit more of a a better picture, and you say, well, I don't know if I've actually been betrayed or not. Here are some synonyms. Uh, To break one's promise to, disloyalty, unfaithfulness, break faith, to fail, to let down, to double cross, deceive, cheat, to denounce, to sell out, to stab someone in the back, to bite the hand that feeds you, to turn traitor, to blow the whistle on, to rat out, to sell sell out down the river. You ever been betrayed before? If not, you will be. While that type of betrayal that Joseph suffered may not be common to us, today betrayal in general happens more frequently. Uh, Jesus was asked this question by his disciples about the end times. What would be the sign of your coming? And you know, we look for all kinds of, of crazy things when we think about the return of Jesus. And all you have to do is look at humanity. All you have to do is see how sinful people sin in greater measure, when sin is accepted as okay. Matthew 24, four, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. The last part of the last days will be rampant with deception. Uh, Deception will just be commonplace. Boy, social media is a wonderful place for deception. It is rampant. I've seen some of you Share posts that aren't true, and I would love to put a little Snopes uh, uh, link to your to your post, but I just don't engage in it. Christians, again, I say, I remind you, you represent Jesus Christ, and I would say this: and if you don't want to take the time to research your post, then don't post. But I'm just saying this, just because a trusted Christian friend posts something and you like it share it doesn't mean it's true. It may may settle here and it feels well and you're like, I agree with you, but that doesn't make it true. And You represent Christ. If you do a little fact checking, if you don't do that, you're going to just add to deception. We just get lazy. It sounds good to me. I agree with that. Post. Share. It doesn't make it true. Just because a pastor posts it doesn't make it true. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in various places All these are the beginning of birth pains They're just those contractions which are letting you know that the baby is coming Then you will be handed over Betrayed To be persecuted and put to death you will be hated by all nations because of me And at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other Jesus said, in the last days, people will turn from the faith. In some instances, Christians will turn away from God, turn away from Jesus, and they will betray other Christians. Another word of warning. There is coming a time when all these Fox News Christians, these people that are suddenly Christian, by the way, let me, let me please identify them. They're conservative. They identify with Jesus just as much as anyone who's a man identifies as a woman. They're identifying as a Christian Christian. Okay, and they're not really Christian. They're not born again. Listen, those people are going to turn on us one day. If you don't believe me, then why don't you check the Bible and find out what the most conservative group within Judaism did to Jesus. They're called the Pharisees. So don't think that because we have these Fox News Christians, which if you really watch Fox News, they'll, they'll do this, and, and I do. That's the news I watch. But if you catch it, they are, if their their confession, their commitment to Christ is about this deep. It's just a lot of garbage, to be honest with you. They're going to be the first ones that will turn on you. The Bible is very clear about this. True Christians have no friends in this world. Listen, if the world couldn't get along with Jesus, why do you think they're ever going to get along with you? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. I'm going to say that again. The Bible says this. James 4.4, 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, when we become friends with this, with this world, we're no better than Judas betraying Jesus. When this world betrays us, and it will, the world is opposed to Jesus, it will be opposed to his true followers. If you don't know what we're seeing, we are seeing, I think these, if we're seeing or not, I believe we are, I think we're seeing birth pains. I think we're seeing the beginning of something. There's a climate or there's a culture of betrayal. I'll give you an example. We all can identify with us here where we live. You know, we're, we're roughly 20 miles in from the coast as the crow flies. If you measure it, it was about 20 miles inland. And we know this with the moisture from the Gulf, daytime heating between the hours of one and three, one and four, we're going to get rain. Pretty much on, on, during the summer, right? It just heaps up, just dumps on us. Because why, we have a climate. We have a climate that is going to bring that kind of activity, It's just right for midday showers. And likewise, the conditions are just right in our culture for betrayal. And I've never seen a time when people are more on edge, more defensive, more easily provoked than today. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I don't know about you, I just get fascinated. Uh, you know, I like to watch YouTube videos or, or Facebook videos, just ca- I can't believe, the amount of anger and frustration there are with, with road rage. We're so easily provoked. Why, because it's the residual effects of betrayal. See, we're betrayed in the past if we don't deal with it properly and we, and we, we won't heal. And we, tra- we carry over that pain and that wound into all of our social situ- situations and all of our relationships. Betrayal will cause an emotional wound which will affect us not just emotionally, but it will affect us spiritually, mentally, and socially. If you've suffered a wound caused by a betrayal and it hasn't healed, all of your relationships will be affected. All your human relationships, and most of all, your relationship with God will be greatly hindered. When people carry a wound caused by a betrayal, it quickly becomes volatile, quickly emotional. Here's what I mean, for for lack of a better uh, example. If you ever had a pet or an animal that is wounded, and you go to pick up that animal, what do they do? They snap, they bite. Because why? They they think you're going to hurt. They have a wound, they're trying to protect it. And it's the same thing with people who have been betrayed and who haven't healed correctly. They show claws and teeth. Our nation is wounded. It is a nation betrayed by itself. And we need to experience healing. There are people all over our community who live in this community, they're just wounded. Wounded by by years of suffering from a betrayal, they need healing. Luke 4.18 says this. This is what Jesus announced when he began his public ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Check this out. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Some of you are brokenhearted right now. Brokenhearted because of a past betrayal. And Jesus has reminded us in his word that there is a time where he's going to come and heal your broken heart. A betrayal can be devastating. It can be difficult to heal from. There's no question about it. But Jesus is reminding us that he can heal the brokenhearted. There's nothing impossible for him. Joseph is our example in Christ how we ought to handle betrayal when we read when we study the life of Joseph Joseph we should put ourselves in his place and this is the model how we handle betrayal betrayals cannot be avoided we're we're going to experience betrayal in our lifetime and there's there's a way we have to know how to deal with them we have to deal with them biblically Joseph, for example, 17 years old, when his older brothers betray him. Now, again, put this in perspective. We're not talking about teenagers and young men. We're talking about grown men who have children the age of Joseph. The oldest brother is 44 to 45 years old at this time. A 45-year-old man envious and jealous of his 17-year-old brother. How pathetic is that? But, yeah, we see it all over social media today other than his mother and his father in this system this patriarchal system Joseph's brothers are his closest relationships these these men are the most trusted people in his lives in his life excuse me and because of that relationship Joseph experiences a harsh and bitter betrayal now that doesn't mean Joseph wasn't wounded, by the way. He, we understand this, that when we look at his story, we're like, man, it's amazing how he handles himself, how he carries himself, but it doesn't mean he wasn't wounded. it doesn't mean he wasn't hurt. I, I mean, we, If Joseph isn't wounded or hurt by this betrayal, then he has no emotions. Some type of glutton for punishment, but we can see this by the emotion he expresses when he's reunited with his brother. That's not the case. So we can't assume that he was hurt and felt pain. But he didn't become bitter. And that's the difference. It's an amazing story that when we find that when Joseph is restored to his brothers, there's no hint of bitterness. There's no hint of bitterness towards anyone, towards his brother or towards God. Again, that doesn't mean he wasn't wounded and he wasn't hurt. It just means that that betrayal didn't get the better of him we skip ahead 15 years after Joseph is betrayed, we reunited with his brothers. By this time, the, the, the wound has healed. There's no bitterness, there's no animosity. Look at this in, in Genesis 45, four, and Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. They find out that the man in charge in Egypt is their brother, the man that could take their life. The, man, the second most powerful man in the world, basically, is their brother they betrayed. Joseph said to his brothers, "Please come near to me." So when they came near, they said to him, "I am your, I am Joseph, your brother, <laughs> whom you sold to into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And these two, two there for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five in which." There will be neither plowing nor harvesting and god sent me before you to preserve a prosperity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance so now it was not you who sent me here but god and he has made me a father to pharaoh and lord of all of his houses and a ruler throughout all the land of egypt hurry and go up to my father and say to him thus says your son joseph God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me and your, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will be, there I will provide for you lest that you should, lest you or your household and all that you have come to poverty for there are still five years of famine. At this point, Joseph understands why he's been betrayed. He understands that why God has selected him to suffer. And God did indeed allow him to suffer. Now there were choices made by man, but God allowed him to suffer. And some of you have a problem with that. And I'm going to tell you this. The problem is this. We live in a sinful world. It's not perfect. Just because you give Jesus your life doesn't mean it's going to be all sunshine and, and, you know, it's not going to work that way. We live in a broken world. Bad things happen to good people. God selected Joseph. Why? He selected this young man. Why? Because he knows that he has a heart that can be trusted and that this young man, despite his immaturity, can be faithful. God chose a 17-year-old man to suffer, a suffering servant Why? He's paying, it's like a, again, it's a picture of Jesus on the cross suffering for mankind. Joseph is suffering for his brothers. Why is he suffering? To save their lives. 15 years down the line, they're gonna come to Egypt, they're gonna need food. He suffers for 15 years and he's not angry with God, he's not angry with his brothers. It's an incredible story. Joseph is grateful at this point. He is grateful that God sent him there. Joseph tells his brother not to blame themselves for, their mis- for his misfortunes. He forgives them, he absolved them of their sins. He understands again, God used their choices, their motivation, they're motivated by evil, but yet God does something incredible. He turns around, I don't know if that's a work of grace, I don't know what is. Joseph fulfills the prophetic dreams God gave him all these years earlier with humility. Joseph doesn't rub the fulfillment of those dreams in his brother's faces. Now, I don't know about you, I would have a, would have a little bit of an inkling to want to rub it in their faces, just a little bit. Like, you remember those two dreams I told you about that got you so mad? Well, here we are today. I'm just being honest with you, some of you are probably the same. You just you want to, just, just a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit, just to let you know, just in case you forgot. But Joseph knows that God's plans was bigger than the plans that they had for him, the, su- the plans for suffering. It was greater beyond suffering. It was more than just, just suffering in Egypt. God had a plan to save his family. So let me ask you this question. How have you dealt with betrayal? How are you dealing with betrayal? Are you still dealing with residual effects of a betrayal that maybe happened years ago? The reason why Joseph didn't become bitter because of his betrayal and I studied his life throughout this week, just kind of reading his story over and over. You know, I didn't find any magic formula. I didn't find any, any secret work or anything. I just came down to this conclusion that Joseph's personal relationship with God was his strength. It's the only thing I could find. Joseph has a strong relationship with God. And church, if you're ever going to endure a betrayal and be healed from a betrayal, you're going to have to have a close relationship with God. A strong relationship with Jesus will help you navigate through a betrayal without bitterness. Joseph endured hurt and he didn't become vindictive or become bitter, he became better. And Joseph doesn't know, if he doesn't know God intimately, the story ends differently. Some of you have wounds that have been caused by betrayal. Because of those wounds, you've built up walls to protect yourselves and those walls will affect you It will affect everyone around you, including your relationship with God. Deep down, some of you may even resent God for some of the betrayals you've experienced. You say, I don't know if I really want to admit that here, but it's true because you're human. That's why. God is big enough. He's big enough that you're not going to offend him by acknowledging that. And I would just say this, those are the side effects of the residual effects of having a wound. It doesn't mean it can't be healed. And if you're here this morning, you're like, well, I'm hearing this message, and I hope you're going to give me something that I'm not resentful towards God. The answer is this, I'm not going to be able to. In fact, no one's going to be able to give you that answer. The only way you're going to heal that wound if you feel resentful towards God is between you and God. It's the only way. He's the only one to give you the answer, the peace, the healing that you need. Joseph didn't get his answers from man in regards to his suffering. Joseph, his peace of mind came from God. And there's nowhere you're going to find it. You can look on social media. You can look in every relationship. You can look at every substance and every habit. You're never going to find it. You're only going to find it in Jesus. If you've been betrayed, the following attributes... That you are going to need to be developed in your life to get through a betrayal, or to deal with a betrayal, or to experience healing in a betrayal, or maybe this, that when you you formulate these in your life before you even enter into a betrayal. So give you an example here, Jeremiah thirty three three. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The closer you become to God, the clearer his voice becomes. The closer we get to God, the better we understand his plans and his purposes for our lives. The closer we get to God, we understand maybe the pain and suffering we've endured, why? The answer, why? And then when we we answer the why, when we understand why we suffered, our resentment begins to change. We're like, "I, I don't wanna ever experience that again. I don't wanna ever go through that difficulty and pain, but I understand why God is now using this for his glory. You may in one week be angry and mad at God, and it all changes for you because if something happened, you finally got some type of peace, you know, some type of understanding why you suffered what you suffered, and it all begins to turn around. It can happen just like that. God has the answers we need in regards to our pain, but we have to let the walls down so we get closer to him. Walls don't protect us, church, they isolate us. They isolate us, they give us solitude. God didn't create us that way. Philippians four six be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The closer we get to God, the more peace we will experience. It's peace that only God can give us, and especially if we're dealing with hurt and pain, it's only the only peace that you can experience is from God. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that says I'm hurt, I'm I'm struggling, but I have peace with God. have peace in my situation. No man, no substance can give you that. You know, I'm amazed by this and and yet I understand it. Now when people go and they inject stuff and take stuff and it makes them just, you know, lose, lose whatever needs to be lost for a little time, when it comes back, it's still there. You can never smoke enough, shoot up enough, nothing to make it go away. Only God can give you that peace. Only God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul, souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The closer we get to God and lean upon his strength, he gives us the rest that we need. And I don't know if you're if you ever are recovering from a wound, you need rest. You need rest, and only God can provide that rest for you. The closer you get to God, the more peace you experience. He gives you rest. He takes that burden you learn to trust. Again, I I believe that a lot of our betrayals and wounds we experience go back to our relationship with God. Again, at some point, we hold God accountable for what we endured and we suffered. And so this is often a place where we don't trust God. I'm just going to be honest with you. We just don't trust him and say, God, I'm willing to let these walls come down so I can fully trust you. And you never get to experience that peace that he wants to give you. Take that yoke off on you. Galatians 5, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The closer you get to God, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in your life. The fruit of the Spirit are really attributes of Christ in you. Where, where you had flesh, and where you had desires, and where you would do certain things the way that you did, they're now replaced by the fruit of the Spirit. For example, patience. Patience is something that we need to endure through suffering. And if we lack patience, oh, suffering can be very difficult. Long suffering. And so what God's trying to do is develop in us these attributes that will help us to get through things that we're going through. It's, it's not, I would love to do this, and I, would lo- and I know there are people, there are pastors that promise us, but they can't do this. <laughs> if you're going through suffering, and you need the fruit of the Spirit in your life, they can't lay hands on you and give it to you. It's impossible. It has to be developed. It's only between you and God. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be imparted. It has to be developed. Fruit is not imparted, It's developed. The closer we get to God and yield to his power and purposes, the more we become like Jesus. John 15, 12 through 14, this is my commandment. And again, it's a commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. The closer we get to God, the Holy Spirit gives us this desire to show grace to love our neighbor as ourselves we won't heal properly unless we forgive. So without a close relationship with God and the power of the Holy Spirit and us yielding to that power, forgiving, forgiving those who have sinned against us, healing will elude us. Till we understand how we betrayed Jesus, we won't be able to release others from their offenses. I think sometimes that's what we miss in forgiveness. It's sometimes it's a miss, not always, but it's sometimes it's a missing component in forgiveness. We, we want to hold others accountable for their sins, but we don't want to be held accountable for our sins. It doesn't work that way. And it's difficult. And it's difficult when it's family and when it's a deep... But remember this. You've got to remember this, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The healing we often need is found in mercy, showing mercy and grace to others who don't deserve it. Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent he has said and he will, will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not yet make good of it so the closer we get to God the better we understand God's nature and character God cannot lie for instance god is love god is immutable he does not change we the closer we get to god the better we understand who he is and and a lot of times what we do is this the closer we get to god we find out we had all these misconceived misconstrued ideas about god that weren't true and we finally get to really know him rather than the god we've been told about and we truly experience him for he is and it changes everything but when we draw close to god those misconceptions are replaced by truth We better stand who God is, and those walls come down a lot quicker. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, or excuse me, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. The closer we are to God, the better we become in experiencing comfort comfort from the pain that we have and the suffering that we endure if we aren't close to God as we should his you know we sometimes are blind to it we need comfort we need his care and we don't we hurt so bad we don't see his arms are wide open we only hurt and feel this way because we just we're just lost in our pain I'm just telling you this church God wants to comfort you lastly and I'm going to close with this one humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord he will lift you up Joseph was humble And if you want to find any attribute that is strong in his life that indicates why he successfully endured the trials that he did, it's his humility. Because listen, he has every chance, every opportunity when his brothers come in before him and they bow down before him. He could say, Right now, the dream is coming to pass. They have to bow down. They don't even know it's me, but I'm going to reveal myself to them and I'm going to order their death. He could have done that and been justified. He's the second most powerful man in the world. He didn't have to ask Pharaoh for, for, for that type of uh, permission. He could have just executed them on the spot. Shows humility. Shows that he has a humble heart. Joseph has the power of the sword. He can repay his brothers for all the pain they ever caused. But imagine this. If he takes the sword and he puts their life to an end, it doesn't make his suffering go away. It doesn't make the pain go away but he's learned this through humility, humility. Church, may we endure suffering like Joseph. May we be encouraged to draw closer to God, close, a close relationship to help us navigate through betrayals and a close relationship to help us to deal with the betrayals that lay in the future. I need to close there. i want to give you an opportunity to pray.